Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season three of Boozy Love with Stephanie. Yes, I know it's season three. I am so sorry about leaving you guys high and dry um, last season and that I took a kind of a long break, but the week that I was going to record, I actually felt very ill and I actually got COVID. So the minute the mask mandate was lifted here, I went to work sneezed and the next day or like someone sneezed on me maybe I sneezed on whatever point is is the minute that the mask mandate was lifted I got COVID I was stuck in bed yes could I have been recording of course but I was sick I didn't really want to record and I didn't want to give any updates and I didn't have anything to really (laughs) say I just wanted to take a break and then I got back to work and needed to kind of focus on my new position and get my footing there. So now that I have my footing, now that I have everything all planned out, I am here today and I have a lot to share. I am going to be releasing many um, podcasts this month just because of the certain show that I will be giving play-by-plays to. Not necessarily recaps, but I do 100% think that everyone should be watching it. So we'll talk about this week's episode just because everyone on TikTok is talking about it. And then we'll go back um, during the week and talk about the rest of them before the next episode's released because there's only a few of them. And then we'll just kind of go all the way back to the previous season and I'll give my opinions based on that. So so sorry about that. I just needed a better grip on my mic. So anyways, yeah. So Life got in the way, got COVID. Then I decided that I needed a break. So I'm so sorry about that, everyone. I wish um, I was stronger than that and didn't procrastinate as much. But I promise that this season will be better than last. the last two. I'm getting a lot more footing on my podcasting skills and I know exactly what I want. So yeah, anyways, the new website is almost done. I have certain links. I've been kind of fidgeting with it and then I will be releasing the domain to that one so that you guys can go see there and actually schedule um, visits with me or like not visits, but interviews and possibly consultations with me at an easier time. So you guys will be able to pick your own availabilities and I'll be able to let you know whether that that works with me. Yeah. So stuff like that. (laughs) Anywho... Hi guys, welcome back. <laughs> I'm excited to finally be back and I'm excited to start season three. Um, believe me, I missed you and I hope you guys missed me. So let's let's get started. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephanie. I am a registered doula and studying to be a midwife. I love to talk about love, sex, relationships, but I also love to just have conversations and um, overall knowledge, gain new knowledge and challenge you to all uh, ask yourself or to think differently from what you do for a minute, just to put yourself in other people's shoes. That's something that I really love, especially um, now that I feel like things things are changing and um, obviously the old ways of thinking isn't working for everyone. So I do challenge that most people kind of shift or at least think, um, in other people's shoes for a little bit. So, yeah. So I, in no way do I ever claim to know more about a subject than others. I do my due diligence in my research. Obviously I have, um, 
educated knowledge or I have more of a knowledge in um, birth and labor and delivery, or I hate even saying delivery, but uh, labor and birth, but I don't know everything and I don't, I don't uh, claim to know everything. So I do my research. I tell you guys whether or not it's just an opinion or it's something that I stand firmly on, which is okay too. Um, But I do always want healthy and open discussion about things. Uh, Something that I want to kind of put out there for especially those who this is your first time listening to me or if this is you guys listening to me again from season one or whatever, like you guys, just a reminder, I do challenge you to ask yourself why you agree or disagree with me in opinions that I have. Um, overall, just like my feelings or opinions on a certain situation, if you're vibing with me, perfect. But I want you to challenge, I want to ask you to ask yourself why you're vibing with me. Um, whether that means that you journal about it or you text me about it or you, um, you know, send me an email and just tell me why I do challenge you to ask yourself why. Um, and I don't ever expect anyone to agree with me with my thoughts and opinions. I welcome healthy like discussion, healthy disagreements about these topics. So like, if you're going to sit there and tell me that I'm wrong, tell me why you think I'm wrong. Uh, you know, stuff like that. I don't mind being wrong. I don't mind having a different opinion than you or you having a different opinion than me. I mean, I'm dating someone who our opinions are completely different. He gets really uncomfortable talking about sex. I could talk about sex anywhere and anytime. I um, obviously use more appropriate language in front of appropriate and prefer different people, but you know, I don't, it's just the same thing with swearing. Like I don't swear in front of children because I understand that's different for every parent, but you know, or like every, I don't swear in front of out, like older, the older crowd, the, just because I know that that's more inappropriate for them. But yeah, so I, I know my audience. So obviously you guys know who you're listening to. And if you are uncomfortable with things that I say, tell me, tell me why it makes you uncomfortable and I can change it. Um, I want to make sure that this is an open space and um, a safe space for everyone to talk freely about anything that they want um, or to hear things that they want. And I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable or I don't want people to think that I stand firmly in the way that I speak, think, or act, I guess, Um, because I'm I'm always evolving. We as humans should always be evolving. So that, um, yeah. So I just want you to challenge why you agree. And if you don't agree, I want you to ask yourself why you don't agree. And, you know, again, like tell me or um, try to explain, try to help me understand where you're coming from or help others understand why you're coming from. So when I say that, I mean, everyone that you talk to, I believe that you shouldn't full heartedly agree with them. Even if you do, even if that's like you guys share the same beliefs, you guys, you chose that provider um, and this is... Mm-hmm talking with anyone that you're, you know, whether it's doctors, teachers, parents, whether you know that you guys share the same beliefs, I think it's important to kind of find out for yourself why you agree with them and like question, you know, always be questioning. (laughs) I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, but I think that it's important for people to understand why they're agreeing with them or why they're disagreeing with them and maybe just kind of finding a common ground or not, you know, (laughs) but yeah. So I, 
I firmly believe, and that's something in this podcast, that people with degrees are that are in professions that we deem as a society to have, to have all the answers um, doesn't mean that they do. Because just like me and you, um, it's their opinions or their like best educated understanding of a certain topic doesn't necessarily mean that it's the only opinion that you should ever listen to. So if you don't agree with something or you think that it's a little fishy or you, you just have a little inkling of something else, find out for yourself, do your own research, go to a second, go to, go to a second, um, you know, source, same thing here. Like if you don't think that my opinion is true or you want a little bit more information and there are many other podcasts or many other people who are doulas or birth care providers who can give you these, their own opinions on things. It's also raining right now, so I am very nasally, so sorry about that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, only you know how you feel, think, sense, and taste. So now that we have that... Um, let's get started. Okay. So I know that the disclaimer was really, it was kind of all over the place. I'm going to get better. I promise. I wrote it down. I know what I'm going to say. Just getting back into it. I am a little rusty, so it'll get better. (laughs) Thank you guys for sticking around. So what do I want to talk about today? Uh, as most of you know, I get most of my topics from books, uh, literature, <laughs> that's books, uh, I repeated myself twice, um, just news, anything really, the TV shows, things that I'm watching, things that I'm listening to, or even social media. So <sighs> this one, if any of you watch the show Unexpected or you don't, I highly re- recommend you at least watching this season of unexpected and that's what I was referring to earlier about going back talking about this episode and then going back to prior episodes and even prior seasons because some of the seasons do upset me so um it's on TLC if you don't have TLC or you don't have like cable that's okay you can find it on the discovery plus network if you don't have that you can always have comcast or you can I'm sure you could also watch it on tiktok watch someone else watch it um but point is it's a mess it's a mess of a show I'm sorry I keep sighing I'm sorry that this may sound like I'm annoyed I'm not annoyed it's just it's okay so the premise of the show is it's exploited teens really at the end of the day who um have are pregnant and they're starting their own families and they are showing their whole lives but not only that like they they each have something that cause them to be in the situation that they are. Um, and I'm not saying that like, oh, it's a mistake. I'm just saying that their home life, like you could see the cause and effect, if that makes sense. So <laughs> I'm going to focus on one couple. Um, I And I'm going to make a whole of May <laughs> be unexpected. So if you don't like it, then you guys can definitely skip this month because it's going to be this. Um and it's not going to be me recapping this show so much. So I'm going to be talking about certain people and I'm going to be talking about certain situations and giving you a tiny bit of a recap, but I'm not recapping the whole episode. Um, and I'm, I've, I've talked about this show before. So if you guys enjoy it, I hope you watch it, but I'm, I'm going to talk mainly about the birthing scenes and 
possibly things that lead up to then. But this particular episode today that I'm talking about, I'm going to be talking about the birthing scenes and how the different care providers in this um, girl's life failed her or, and not even that, how um, the care that was provided for her during her birth, her labor um, could have been different, could have been done differently and how it, it can be if she really were to process it later, be traumatic for her and why it would probably cause her to have negative um, memories of labor and birth and possibly cause her to be fearful of labor. And this is like a prime example of why other young parents or even women in general have a fear for birth because of, and especially um, birth center birth or midwifery in general, um, why they might be negative connotations. And I'm not saying that TLC itself kind of portrayed them this way. I think that this was probably... um, one of the lesser of evils that they portrayed. I'm not sure. Obviously it's a TV show. So we, so we don't see like the full um, footage of everything, but the things that we do see um, are startling and kind of created a a physical reaction for, of like from me. So I kind of want to chit chat about that again. If you don't watch it or you don't want to hear my opinions on that and you don't want to kind of hear the kind of care that I would have given in these situations, in that situation, um, turn it off. Obviously everyone is different. So if you had a care provider or even a doula, um, support team in general, that was similar to this and it causes you trauma and you don't want to hear about it, you can turn this off as well. If you'd ever want to speak about anything like that and you want to kind of um, just let someone listen to you, it sounds like I'm crying. I'm not. I just, I'm like so angry <laughs> that it's making my voice shaky. I just, I am hearing myself and I'm realizing that it sounds like I am having like an emotional reaction to this. I am. So, but th- that's all I'm saying is that if you need to reach out um, and you need to talk to someone or you want to have um, that conversation, you can always reach out to me. Um, Obviously, my name is Stephanie. You can find me on Instagram at stephanie.isabel, or you can email me at doula.stephanie.wizar, H-U-I-Z-A-R, at gmail.com. And we can chit-chat about that. So, yeah, we could probably find a time, and I can give you my uh, personal phone number so that we could find a time to to set up a meeting to talk about that. So yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back. Let's, let's bring it in now. Now that we got all those little plugs on the way. So the show is unexpected. It's on TLC. This season, there are two couples or <laughs> two couples. There's just a couple on there um, that their names are um, Kaylin. And I think the boyfriend's name is Tyler. I'm not sure his name. I forget about him, but he, they're having a baby. They're going to name him Xavier. It's a boy. Um, and it, when it, we first meet them, the boyfriend seems very kind of controlling or he, he seems very young, naive, and just, he feels like he knows everything. So at first you're like, okay. And then he gets a little more controlling as the season progresses. So in your mind, you're a little bit like, wow, I can't believe that the adults around this, these, this couple is 
allowing for this behavior to happen. But it kind of seems like they're all a little bit of afraid of him because he may have a physical reaction, may may even get physical with certain people. So they kind of shy away from any conflict with him. It so, it seems like, but that might also be editing. That might also be um, just the way that we're seeing it in, in real time. Okay, so that happens. She's living with his family. Her family doesn't seem to have um, any kind of... I mean, they... It doesn't seem like they kicked her out, but it also doesn't seem like they fought for her to stay um, or have like any kind of say about whether or not she stays or not. So that's kind of like the what how it seems um, from both sides. So the the his family um, is very non they're very uh, kind of passive. Her family is also very passive. So it seems like this guy's domineering, and he's the one that kind of controls every situation that he's in. So that's kind of the vibe you get from both of them. And she's also very passive. Um, there are scenes where she, um, will look up to him and ask him questions on things that she should know the answers to or feel independent enough to say. But again, she's young. So you're just assuming that she is young and love having a baby with this guy and just wants to have a family and just doesn't want to kind of make waves, whatever. We've all been in situations like that. We've all, you know, at, at some point in our lives, whether that means when you're like in your twenties, whether you're, t- but you have to remember that they are seven, 16, no, they're 17 and 18. He's just turned 18. Anyways. So they, she goes into labor and it's, she, I think they said it was four in the mornings when she woke up and she was, she, she said that she was in labor all night, but four in the morning was when she just couldn't fall asleep. Like she was just so restless, um, and, and in and pain. So it sounded to me like, and also she just woke up and went to the bathroom and, um, was having like, you know, was in labor. So she was probably having diarrhea or she probably was throwing up. She was probably sick. Just sometimes it's the same thing. Like with your period, just sometimes the hormones just, but like you just have to get some things out just happens. Um, but it sounded like she was in the second stage of labor. So the first stage you typically like you get contractions, you start getting excited, but you're able to like fall asleep because they're not as intense or they're intense, but they're so far apart that you are able to sleep. You're able to, um, you know, eat if you need to go drink water, you know, you're, you're still able to do day-to-day things. So some people's, um, first stage of labor, early labor, sorry, lasts can last up to a week. It can last up to two days. It really just depends on how um, noticeable, I guess they are. So some people's early labor can start as like just subtle contractions that seem like Braxton Hicks, but they're not Braxton Hicks, right? Because Braxton Hicks go away once you drink water or if you change positioning or if you stay off your feet, um, just really depends on, or if you eat even, it really depends on like what's missing in the, in the birth person's, you know, routine that day. Um, so anyways, so, and when I say that, I mean, like if, um, let's say you're working up until the last until, until you go into labor and you're on your feet all day because you're working a job that requires you to be on your feet all day and your feet are swelling, but you're going to work past it because you've done it a few times. And all of a sudden you start noticing that you're getting um, contractions, but they're only in your belly. They're not wrapping around your whole body. And you sit down for a little bit because 
you remember that your doctor say says that you you should probably get off your feet. You shouldn't be off on your feet for 12 hours. So you get off your feet for your lunch. You put your feet up, you drink some water and you eat because you haven't eaten all day and you haven't had any water and you haven't sat. Yep. And then the contractions kind of dissipate after that. And you, um, after your hour long break of being off your feet, you get back on your feet and you start to have those like twinges again in just your belly. And then when you go home to go to bed, you don't have those twinges. Like, yeah, it's probably Braxton Hicks. It really just depends though. Um, cause some people's contractions are just twinges in their belly. They're not like full body. Um, other people like they, they might not feel like they're full body, but they're definitely happening or they're not feeling like they're pulling down. Um, it really just, it, every, the body, human body is crazy <laughs> in the sense that like everybody's different. Everybody has different reactions. Everyone has different senses every day you know everything happens differently like not same thing with period cramps right like not one woman has or not one person who has a period has the same reaction or has the same um, pain level tolerance you know so one person's early labor might look like um, they just um, they just get physically sick a little bit more, which sucks, but, or another person's, they might be not even know that they were in early labor until they go to the doctor and their doctor says, Oh, you're two centimeters. Okay. <laughs> so point is, is you, not everyone knows that they're in early labor. And I'm not saying that early labor is one to two centimeters. You, it just, early labor looks different for everyone. Um, labor and birth looks different for everyone. Okay. So she wakes up at four in the morning. It sounded to me like she was um, in at least her first stage of labor. So she might have been three to four or two to four, you know, anywhere between um, two to four centimeters dilated. We don't know, though, because she didn't do checks, which is fine. So she wakes up and she had, I think the crew didn't get there until about 7 a.m. or we don't know how long they've been there the the but the it was light out and um it was early but it seemed like it was like 7 like 7 or 8 and she woke her boyfriend up or she woke him up to tell him like I think it's time um but she again she's able to talk so me as a doula or me as a midwife who's studying um to be able to know when someone is in what stage of labor they are in just based on, um, their contraction or like where, where they are in their labor, um, just based on noises or contraction or how the person is, 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 um, she seemed like she was at early in labor at least. So at least in the first stage, just because she was able to take breaks in between and chit chat with him and, um, focus on her breathing. I think at that point she should have had something to eat, even if it was hard or at least had water um, and, or had like a water with a liquid IV or a water with electrolytes, although liquid IVs are not great for you. So I maybe wouldn't have recommended that, but something with electrolytes, like maybe a Pedialyte, um, something that would give her energy for the rest of the day. Right. Because we know that labor is going to, especially since she's young and it's her first baby, labor on average could last at least the rest of the weekend, depending on um, how progressive it is. So 
it seems like it was progressing a lot. So it might be the whole day that she was in it. I mean, I, when I'm saying the rest of the weekend, I'm saying like this, she might've just been in a few stages. Um, you know, she could have been, it could be like a Saturday that they went into labor and it could, she could be there till Sunday. That's all I'm saying. Like two days, not even like, um, people have been in labor for, for like 48 hours. It really just depends on where she was. But anyway, so she tells him it's time to go and he's telling her that he wants to have more sleep. He, that they should just, she should just try to tough it out and go to bed again because he wants to sleep until 11. Um, <laughs> so already you're thinking, okay, this guy's just super immature. He's 18. Um, he knows nothing about, he, he's making it about him. Like he wants to sleep and you're already like annoyed with him just because this is your baby mama. This is your child. She's obviously wanting to go. She thinks that she's in labor or she knows she's in labor. She's the only one that knows her body. She's the only one that knows her pain. She's the only one that knows that she wants at least someone who has a better understanding of birth to be in her corner and telling her like what's going on and like, you know, giving her pointers. Cause at this point he has been nothing. He has done nothing. So as some, as a doula, this would be the time that maybe she would call me. Maybe she would say, Hey, can you come to my house and let me know? Um, or like help us with the best support for me. And something that I would possibly do is get her as do a a back massage or, or do, um, yeah, give her acupressure, relieve some pressure on her back. Cause that's what it seemed like to me that she was having, no, she wasn't having back pain. She was having front pain, which was telling me that her, she wasn't ready yet, that she wasn't ready to go to the hospital just because she wasn't holding her back. She wasn't having back pain yet. She was having only frontal pain. But again, I don't know what, if maybe she was having back pain when she asked to leave. Cause again, choppy editing. I don't, I don't, I really don't know, but based on how she was talking and based on how she was holding at the moment that I was watching the, when she said, I think it's time to go. Um, she was holding her belly, which was telling me that, okay, it's only belly pain right now. I mean, it probably was full body pain, but she was probably experiencing the most pain in her belly and her bottom belly, meaning that the baby was getting into position or it was cervical pain that her cervix was opening. Um, or she was just, you know, she was feeling a lot of pressure in between her hips. I'm not sure. Again, shoddy editing. But I did notice that when she was getting into the car, she was leaning forward and down, which was telling me that she was allowing gravity to let the baby go down. And her body was telling her that she needed to go for like to lean on the car door, look down and pull and push her body. And, you know, whatever. I can't really describe it great, but it was telling me that that was the most comfortable position for her at that moment. And that maybe it was time. It was a good time to go to the midwives just to, uh, or yeah, just, just so that she was in a more comfortable spot because obviously she was very, she was in pain. She was in a lot of pain and she, she it also, it wasn't a very calming environment there. Uh, I think she was most calm when he was sleeping 
because he wasn't up, but I think she was scared and no one was doing anything to help her. And on the contrary, when she was next to the car and she was telling him that she needed to go, um, he was telling her like it was too early that she shouldn't go. And his dad was screaming. They were just screaming at each other. His dad and him were screaming at each other, telling them that like, this was stupid, that they're getting too early. And he was telling her, he was telling him like, Oh no, you have to go home. And he was telling him that it was that she's not even in labor, which, okay. So point is, is her support team. There was none. There was none. (laughs) It was just an illusionary support team. Because in reality, if she wanted to go, they should have been able to go because she's the one that calls the shots, right? So she wanted to go and maybe she just wanted to get acclimated there. Whether or not it's too early or too late, it doesn't matter. Like you, if the person, if you want to go because you feel that you're better equipped there or they're better equipped there or that you don't want to have to wait too long where you're giving birth in the, in the car, that's, that's completely up to you. That's what the beauty of consent is right so she wanted to go in that moment no one should be telling her no you're too early no you can go whenever you want to go it's the same thing with the hospital the thing is though the reason why a lot of um, especially midwives and doulas tell you like i don't think that you should go too early or like let's try to labor at home as long as possible is because sometimes those places are scarier in your mind or in your subconscious than they are than you're allowing them to let you feel so um let's say you're, you have white coat syndrome or you're, you just overall are a little bit more uneasy at hospitals and you go to the hospital when you're, um, four centimeters and you don't even know you're four centimeters, but you're in early labor and you're not necessarily going to be, you're going to be probably there for a little bit. You could stop labor because your body, our bodies, though we are evolved and though we have evolved from obviously giving from the stone age, our bodies are, have the same responses as if you were to have give um, birth in the wild and there are predators around. So way back in the day, um, women or people, birth people in general, if they were to give birth outside, obviously, because that was the only place you wouldn't be able to give birth um, any elsewhere. And there were animals per se that wanted to um, harm you or harm your child, not just because they're predators, you know, animals, (laughs) your body would actually create a response where it holds baby in. That response is based off of your fight or flight. Your body knows that once you go into fight or flight, which may be caused by going into a hospital, that it's not safe, that you, your body and your mind don't feel safe to give birth, to have this fresh new baby because it's not safe. Sometimes it, it sometimes your body has to surpass the fight or flight response and it does just give birth. But that fight or flight response is where you get quote unquote stuck when you're in the hospital and they say, oh, your baby's stuck. It's because you are fearful because people are barking at you or or you just have a, a physical, physical response to how your support staff around you is acting or is. So if, um, so for example, if you ask for cervical checks and that you, and you also want, um, the Dopplers on you or not the Dopplers, the, um, I'm forgetting what they're called, but you also, oh, the heart monitoring. You also want fetal heart monitoring on you, um, during time of labor 
you and they hear an irreg- irregularity and someone in, in the room kind of has a, f- a, a physical reaction to it, that their face kind of changes, even their tone changes how they, when they're speaking to you or they're wanting something to happen a little bit faster than it is, you are already starting to panic, right? Because you want to make sure that your child is okay. So therefore your body starts to say, okay, well, we're in a scary situation and fight or flight hits him and boom, you, you might be stalled for a little bit. And now, and and sometimes, sometimes it's not, it's, you're not able to even have a decision or feel that physical response. And sometimes it is necessary to have a C-section. But the point is, the point I'm trying to make is sometimes that, that is why we have doulas or our support team who is able to best support you and let you know, like, Hey, maybe it is too early to go in. Hey, maybe, um, like, I know you want to go in, but maybe it might not be because you do feel some sort of type of way in front of the doctors or your blood. We want to monitor your blood pressure types of things. Like we want to make sure that you're in a safe, calm environment. That's all I'm saying. So I thought it was the best idea for her to go in because she wasn't getting helped at home. There, it was not a safe environment. It was not a calm environment for her. Nothing about being laboring at home was calming. <laughs> Nothing about being laboring at home was soothing or helpful. It actually was hindering the process, in my opinion. Like, I think that she was even more scared because no one was helping her. No one was uh, was doing anything of anything. I, but again, I'm not sure because the cameras weren't weren't there the entire time. But it, if he was complaining about wanting more sleep... Um, Something tells me that he was not, and he was too busy yelling at his dad to even help her into the car. Something was telling me that she wasn't, (laughs) that she wasn't being helped um, before then. So anyways, they get to the, uh, to the birth center and she asks to go into the tub. The midwives kind of uh, explain like what they do and how the birth center is and um, how the couple, when they first met them was. My first um, reaction to when the midwife said she declined a a cervical exam, I'm not really sure why, but we can't tell where she is, so we're just going based on her contractions, sent me into a a livid rage. And here's why. (laughs) So as most of you know, I'm a huge proponent and advocate for... um, birth injustices within the medical system. So that caused me to be to want to be a CPM, which is a certified practicing midwife, which would deliver or which, oh my God, I hate using the word deliver because babies aren't delivered, pizza is, um, the, which causes me, so which would allow me to um, help in the labor and birth of families in their own homes, in the comfort of their own homes, and possibly a birth center um so they if they cho- so choose, but mainly at the, at their homes, um, safely, obviously, right. And in that case, it means that they feel the safest and the most secure there, and that I'm a big proponent and advocate for consent, one hundred and ten percent. I find it very insulting, and maybe they were set up like this by TLC. Maybe they were told, "Hey, like." is this weird to you? Like sound, make it sound like say one way that you're okay with it and one way that you're not. And then they cut it and made the one way. I don't care. I really don't. But as someone who is a midwife and whatever, someone in the medical community or like just 
in general works with um, young to young mothers or just birth people in general, it should be allowed and okay for your client to have the opportunity to consent for their own body. She, we don't know the, like whatever our client is telling us, whatever the person is telling us about their history is what they want us to know. She, Kaylin, might have been a survivor of assaults. She also just may not want you to put your fingers up there. Like it just, it, it's okay. It's okay to not have a cervical exam. And I want everyone to be aware of that. Even when you go to a gynecologist to talk about getting um, your birth control or in general, they should always be asking you or telling you what they are doing every step of the way. And the minute that they aren't, and the minute that you are like, whoa, whoa, why did you push on my belly? And they didn't say anything. And they kind of laugh you off or they're like, oh, I know. They give you like a, I know what I'm doing. I know better than you. Get the fuck out of there. You, you need to always know exactly what people are doing to your body, what they're doing. If they're sticking their fingers inside of you, what they're doing. You need to know because guess what? If you don't, you know what that's called? Assault. They've now assaulted you. And because you are the only person that can give the okay for your body. And I'm going to, and I, it, it, it made me so angry that they were like, "Eh." and I don't know why she didn't let me do a cervical exam. She, it's so like, it, it almost annoyed them that they couldn't do a cervical exam. They are medical professionals. They should be able and they are supposedly the ones that are able to identify natural labor. They labor. They should be able to identify natural labor without doing a cervical exam. Because guess what? Once the water breaks, they cannot do a cervical exam. So what you're yeah, you just fucking guess. It's not even guessing either. It's like you you can tell where she's at based on where her contractions are or how she's sounding. It shouldn't be like a guess. It's, you know, and you know what? You 110% know because once she starts feeling like she has to poop, okay, that's it. Then it's time. But you can, everything else should be able to, you should be able to tell when it's time to transport. Like you can do belly palpitations too. Like everything you, they could have done to before cervical exams could have told you exactly where she's at. Now, maybe not exact, but even cervical exams aren't exact because it's another guess. Because although you think that the doctor knows exactly where the everything is, sure, they know how much effacement it is. They know how, but when it's, she she could go from four to five in a split second, and just because you're you're not sh- you shouldn't. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna get real here. What sounds more uh, accurate to you? Having someone have a gloved hand with jelly because that's what it has to be lubricated, right? You're not gonna just go in raw because that could fucking hurt you. Um, go with jelly, go inside and try to figure out where you are or like every hour or every fucking minute. Cause that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to go in and like try to check where she was every minute or, and, and not, and, and, and not even ask you every time they ask you once. And then you're like, okay. Um, or it, and, and possibly getting you susceptible to certain types of bacteria, certain, whatever, whatever. And it, and it happens. It happens because guess what? If someone's sticking something inside of you or sticking their fingers inside of you, whether or not it's sterile or not, 
something could happen at any moment. Like it, it, it should be all about consent. That's all about consent. That's such a personal and intimate thing that you're doing with someone, whether or not you want to see it like that. So the fact that you found you were so annoyed that this teenage girl did not want you to be sticking your fingers inside of her because you know best is annoying to me. That is gives me a physical reaction. Like I was so angry when I heard that. I was so upset and I was so disappointed with that midwifery group. And you know what? That might have been because they typically do only cervical exams. And you know what? I was watching a TikTok. Sorry, I know I say you know what. But I was watching a TikTok up recapping that. And the girl herself said, I thought cervical exams are mandatory. No, they're not fucking mandatory. Because you know what? It's consent. You, I, I'm getting so angry talking about it. Because I am so, I'm such a proponent for, for consent. Like, it's... It, <sighs> it's your body. It's your body. And you're the one that uh, you're the one that has to spread your legs and allow someone in there. And if you don't want that, if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's okay. They should be, they should have enough education or have enough, um, background or experience to be able to, uh, to know or eyeball where you are or know when it's time to call. They shouldn't bully you or strong arm you into get giving a cervical exam because it's okay to not want a cervical exam. It's okay to decline them. It's okay to say, Hey, you should be able to tell like, no, I don't want that. Like if you feel that I, I, I need to go to the hospital for a C-section, transport me. That's it. Because that that right there was just that was what was upset me the most and i and then hearing other people say that it's a man it should be a mandatory thing or that you just do it because it's something that happens that they know best no they don't know best you know best you're the only person that knows how your body's feeling you're the only person that can say like hey the baby's by the i i feel the baby's head coming out or hey um or, or you're, it's okay to not know too. It's okay to be like, I'm not sure where I'm at, but I don't really feel like I don't really want you stuck sticking your fingers inside of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, it's the truth though. If you don't want someone touching you at that moment, you don't fucking have to have someone touching you at that moment. If you want people to shut the fuck up, it's your labor. Yeah. Everyone should shut the fuck up. And then... <sighs> Okay, sorry. I'm just I'm so upset. I don't I don't really want to get this upset about it, but I am. I just I I I had a podcast about it. I opened my new sewing machine. I was going to sew Mike's pants up. I was even going to probably sew it while I was talking on this uh podcast, but I'm probably so loud that my neighbors outside heard me and they're all men. So they probably are all like, "Oh, what's going on in there?" <laughs> um but but the point is is I'm trying to make is that I thought that that was such an unprofessional thing for that midwife to say and that I think it's so upsetting and this is the reason why I really started this podcast is to bring awareness to the medical community and and and, and the medical professional in general and just your body in general and to know that it's okay to say no and it's okay to be uncomfortable with having people um, stick their fingers inside of you and it's okay to say, Hey, wait a minute. Why are we doing this? Like, why do you have to check my cervix? Can't you tell where I am? Like, 
it's okay. And I, and I get it. it. It probably does annoy some midwives and it probably does annoy some OBs that we they, they can't just force themselves in between your legs. But do you see how that sounds? Do you hear that? Like if it was a, and, it, and especially if it's a male OB, to, for him to force your legs open or have his nurses hold your legs down while he forces himself inside you. I, I don't want that. I would rather me be able to say, yes, can you please check where I am? Because, you know, sometimes that makes you feel defeated. I hope everyone knows that. I want everyone to know that, actually. That sometimes when you go in for a cervical exam, because you're like, okay, well, I feel like I'm at five. Um, I've been in labor all day. My labor is two to three minutes apart. I feel like my water's about to break, but I would like you to do a cervical exam. Um, and if I'm not there, I'm going to go home because I don't like being here. Cause you can do that too. I hope everyone knows that you're not chained to the bed. Um, I want everyone to know that too. And they get checked and they're only at two and it's because they're super dehydrated that their, um, that their contractions are two to three minutes apart and that they're also hungry. So yes, that and that can be discouraging to the parent to the birth person. They could say, oh, I'm only at two. I've been laboring all day though. And then they get defeated and then they, they just want to get the baby out. And that also leads to a C-section. So sometimes it's better to say, you know what, go home or to call your OB and say, you know what, eat something, drink some water, take a rest. You're obviously not like in a panic. You're able to call me. You're able to be on the phone with me. So you're still okay. But if you're like an hour away from the hospital, maybe it is a good idea to start making your way. Maybe it is stopping at some food. Maybe rest while in the air in the car. But <laughs> that's the point I'm trying to make is like, sometimes you don't need to do a cervical exam. Sometimes it's not necessary. Other times, maybe, maybe if, if, um, but it seemed like they knew exactly where she was. It seemed like they had ex- an idea that she wasn't she she wasn't necessarily there because she asked to go to the tub after that. Like they, the midwives introduced themselves, they were so appalled and um, flabbergasted. Like no one's ever not let me in between their legs. Um, and I, I'm I'm saying it the way I'm saying it because that's what it is. I'm saying it the way I'm saying it because it should be a consensual thing. I'm saying it the way I'm saying it because I want everyone to know that if it was anything else, if it was anything else that didn't have to do with women, like a prostate exam, for example, they're recommended, but you don't necessarily have to do that. And guess what? The doctor asks you if that's okay to happen, that 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 happens. And then they do it and they tell you exactly what they're doing. But if it was anything else and and it has been anything else they don't ever they don't ever say like hey you you know that you can like step by step it can you step by step it for me can you tell me what you're doing can you show me what you're going to do on a model like no 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 <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say i'm trying to say that if i'm going to phrase it the way it's really phrased the way that it's really happening and not in a, in a very crude way, because I want you all to understand that the consent for it is necessary, that, the, that it, if done any other way without the consent, without knowing why you're doing it or having an understanding of what's happening while it's being done, why it's so bad. <laughs> because that's something that I, in my studies have known, like that it's crucial. It's important. It's more than important. It's the first thing that should come out of your mouth is I'm, I'm going to, is it okay if I do this? This is why we do this. This is what I'll be doing. 
And as I'm doing it, I'm going to walk it through with you. And if you're feeling any discomfort, any pain, anything at all, let me know and I'm not going to do it. And the minute that there's bleeding or there's um, any type of, uh, or, or the minute your water breaks or there's any bleeding, I'm not going up there because guess what? I can now introduce more infection. I can now, I, the, there, I can tell just by everything else that something that you either need to be transported with the bleeding or the baby's about to pick up. So it just, it set me in a blind rage watching it. I had to stop it because I was in front of Mike and Mike usually doesn't think he thinks that I shouldn't get that upset over a TV show that it's happened, but seeing the trauma and knowing that this this poor, defenseless, young mother is going to now have this traumatic experience and not even realize that it was traumatic. She's going to think that this is just an everyday occurrence and then say, this is what birth, this is what labor and birth is. This is how labor and birth should go. This is how my next labor and birth should be. Upsets me because you shouldn't feel like you don't have a voice or that that no one's listening to you or that you're forced to do something. Just like how that girl on TikTok said, it should be a mandatory thing. It should not be a mandatory thing. <sighs> Anyways, okay, so um they she asks to get in the tub, and the midwife says, Oh, I don't think you should, uh, before you're six centimeters because it does it will slow down labor, which can be true. Um, and she said, But the only way I'll really know that you're at six is if I do a cervical exam. So there you go again, planting the seed in her head like that she needs to do a cervical exam, doesn't need to do a cervical exam. She already told her that she doesn't think that she's at six, that she should wait to get in the tub. Yet they fill the tub and they let her get in with her boyfriend, who, by the way, is not doing... The midwives are watching from afar because they're leaving her alone, which is fine. But they can clearly tell that the boyfriend is um, controlling the situation because she'll look at him and ask him questions while they're asking him. So they say... Um, I think it's... I They'll say something... Cer- about the cervical exam. I think it's important for us to do the cervical exam to see where you are, to see how much longer you'll be. Which, by the way, doesn't determine that. She could she could be stuck at five or at six for a very long time, but they won't know because they'll have to constantly be doing cervical exams. And I, they don't need to do that. They'll they could tell where she's at by being able to palpitate the baby to see how far the baby's dropped. Or they, you know what they could also do? Uh, listen to her breathing sounds, listen to her contractions, tell where her contractions are at, um, give her food and water breaks. And honestly, listen to how she talks. If she's able to talk, she's obviously not in transition. If she's not feeling like she's a poop, she's obviously not, um, about to have the baby. If she can clearly, like, I think it would, it would have been beneficial for her to go for a walk, to have a calming environment, to not have her boyfriend barking orders at her and or telling her to shut up and that she's being too dramatic and that it doesn't really hurt that bad. Everything that was, it was just a chaotic environment. And I wouldn't have wanted to have a baby in that environment either, but not, but the reason why I'm saying, so the parents failed her, his parents failed her already by causing more chaotic. Her parents wanted to race over to help, but I understand it was COVID times, but if it were my parents, I would have, my mom would have been standing outside of the birth center, asked him to ask one of the midwives to open the one of the windows so that she could scream <laughs> some of like instructions to him or even 
asked to switch out because guess what? He's probably going to get tired too because he's already tired. So it would have been beneficial for her mom to be there to help her out during that process because her mom did genuinely seem like a calming presence to her. But I think that him not being there would have caused her more stress. So maybe that was a good plan that he was there. Okay, that's gone. So her parents failed him. Her His parents failed her. How the midwives failed her, obviously, we went through the whole wanting to check the cervix thing. Not mandatory. <sighs> My whole issue with that, because again, like I said, if she was an if she was a survivor of sexual assault and was open about it and told them like, hey, I I get I have vaginosis, like I have a I have physical response to people checking, like you won't be able to get in there, like I am nervous in general about it, um, and you know she might be, we don't know. They would have had to back off. They would have had to not have said anything about it because guess what? That's now her, um, telling them, <laughs> that's the, but, but it's okay to not tell your, like, that's all right. We can, we could tell that just by what's going on. Like if you want to decline the, the physical cervical exams, because that's the, that's the sense of power that you have. That's okay. Anyway. So, okay. And then the midwives fail her by, she gets in the tub. Okay. She is starting to feel a little bit better, but not really. And you could tell that she's getting exhausted. Um, you could also tell that she might have been moving into stage two of labor because she starts to get irritated a little bit more and she's starting to, but you could also tell that she's getting just irritated in general. Just she, she's very uncomfortable. She, no one's really helping her. No one's telling him, no one, no one's telling him how he could best support her. And even if, and I'm sure even if they did, he would probably bark at them his own shit. He's vaping in front of her. So I'm also sure that the smells, because again, I want you guys all to know that when you're in labor, everything is heightened. Everything like your smells are heightened. Um, so you might, what you might've found delicious during your pregnancy now grosses you out. Uh, she's also probably very nauseated. She hasn't eaten all day and this is now at night because it's now dark out. So she hasn't eaten all day, hasn't had any water. The midwives know this. So they say, they say to her, Hey, I think it might be time for an IV because you can't, you, you are refusing to eat. And he goes, well, just have a burger. Well, I'm hungry too. So let's just have a burger. And the midwives explain to him. Okay. When I say that they tell her, Hey, maybe it's time to get an IV. They don't, it's not her. They're talking to him and they say, Hey, I think it's time for her to get an IV. They're talking about her in front of her as if she's not there. Um, and as if she's not the one that can, is the only person that can give that consent. So he says, no, I don't want you giving my baby medications because he, which is true. Anything that goes through the mother's bloodstream goes through the baby's bloodstream. hundred percent true. Very educated on that. But what he's not educated on is that if the mother, if the birth person's dehydrated, so is the baby. If her body's dehydrated and exhausted, so there are more complications that can arise with baby and and her and them. Like they 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 both can be can have their health declining. Her blood pressure has now gone up, and I'm I'm sure it's been elevated the entire time. I think that they just realized though how elevated it was. I'm sure. Her baseline wasn't that elevated, um, and or it was elevated in general, and so they just assumed that that was her baseline. 
I don't, I'm not sure. But point is, is that they now have realized that she's exhausted. She has, uh, an elevated blood, her blood pressure is elevated. And, um, this baby is definitely has not moved. Um, I could have told you that just by watching it. Also, again, I don't know because I, it's chopped up, but they, you could tell that they know that this baby is not moving and that they need to now, it's now an emergency. They need to now, uh, take her to the hospital. But again, they need that consent. They need to know whether or not she wants to move them to the hospital for their own liability reasons. He says, no, no, (laughs) to both the IV and transport. She looked at him and in the first time in her time with him, looked so scared and disheartened and defeated and said to her, uh, as because it was another clip as she was in the bathroom because I'm sure she was also feeling um, achy and I, everything about the situation she just seemed very uncomfortable. So uh, she said, "Are you trying to kill me?" And he said, "No, but I don't want my baby to have medications and I don't want no hospitals." Now the midwives have released them because they can't be liable for this. Even though they know that if they were to go home tonight and she weren't to eat, sleep, or even have water, and if the baby's not born, that they could both lose, they could lose both of them. They just send them home. They send them home under their own recognizance. I understand that, that the midwives failed in the sense that before they released them, they had their own interview and they said... What I used to think, they said that they um, felt kind of bamboozled because what they used to think was a um, a partnership built on uh, mutual trust, and uh, I don't even remember how they how they phrased it, but basically, like they thought that they were together on their decisions and that they made decisions together, and basically, she thought that they were adults <laughs> who. Um, were able to make rational decisions and uh, be a partnership. And it seemed as though that he was more controlling than that. I'm not sure if they, um, obviously they were trying to protect themselves and their birth center, which completely understood. At some point you do have to just kind of protect yourself because you can't, you can't step in the middle because it can, it could be more dangerous for baby, mother, and you know, ba- and yourself. Honestly, like if this person is abusive, um, you don't know what they're capable of. But in that situation, I would have prior to kicking them out, prior to her exhaustion, separated the two and really asked her how she felt about the things that I needed to do. So, like the cervical exams. Um, just let her know like, Hey, maybe this will help you progress. If you know how long you are, how far along you are, I'll talk you through it the entire time. And we'll, we'll just make sure that, um, we, whatever you're afraid of, we'll, we'll, I'll make sure to ease your fears. I'd ask her how she's like, what I could best do to make her feel more comfortable. Um, and I would honestly even get her something to fucking eat. Um, or even just, something to drink that I know that like, okay, so she hasn't been drinking water, but again, I don't know if she wasn't, but she definitely hasn't eaten because they made that point that she hasn't eaten all day. And then I would possibly even talk to her about her fears about, um, 
or just in general, ask her about her wants, ask her about what's going on, like what she needs, what, uh, what it is that she is feeling. Just ask her all these fucking questions without him, because anytime she, they would ask her anything, she would look to him and ask him again and wait till he's okay and not even respond. He would respond to the midwives. And the whole reason why he wanted to go to the midwives in general is because he said that he felt heard. He felt like he was being, um, that they were really focused on him. They shouldn't have been only focused on him. They should have been focused on the whole family. There, she is their their client. Okay, she's their client. She she should have been the main focus, and then they should have also understood and listened to him. I don't know if obviously, like, we don't know if that's the case if they did that too. But what the little bits that I saw, they did really put his perspective into more consideration than hers. And I also get that because in an abusive situation, you do want to, but you always, always want to make sure that, that the your client is the one that is making these decisions, is is the one that's, yeah, talking it over with them. But it's the same thing with doula work. Like I can't respond for my client. It's them. They need to respond. I can, all I can do is have, make sure that they understand what they're responding to and what they're feeling. And I get it. She was in pain. So maybe he, they just were like, okay, it's easier to listen to him. But guess what? He is making all these decisions and he has no fucking clue what's going on. Like he thought that labor meant that your water broke. He obviously knows nothing, cared to know nothing, and didn't care to know anything. And he he was telling her to shut up and just go to sleep and 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 that they came in too early and that they were stupid for coming in early and that they hated the midwives, which is whatever. Hate them all you want. But I just think that obviously there's nothing that the midwives could have done, but I think that they failed her in the sense of um they failed her in the sense that they didn't, you know, I, they did the best that they could. I'm not going to say that they failed her. I think that they failed her in the sense that they didn't separate the two, I guess, but I, there's really nothing you can do in those situations. Um, they, I, okay. I guess they failed her in not calling the police because that, I mean, it was, it, it was becoming a dangerous situation. They should have called an ambulance and they should have called the police um, to separate him because he obviously was becoming too irate and irrational. They also failed her in, um, I mean, it was COVID times, but I still would have called her mother or asked for an alternate for him and maybe like tried to say, I don't know. I, I really don't know what they were thinking, what they actually did in the end. So I can't really blame them for anything else. All I, all I think that, all I know though is that them not um, allowing her to consent for her own cervical exams or respecting that. And, and I mean, they respected it in the sense that they didn't do it, but they didn't respect it when they were talking about anything it, it publicly. Um, and again, maybe they were prompted to talk about it like that, but I just, it, I found it disgusting and despicable just because now all these people who, um, already have a negative connotation of midwifery and just in general have a very uh, skewed way of how labor and consent go hand in hand. They now think that that's mandatory and that it, it should be mandatory. Now there's going to be a law. There, there might be people wanting to vote for this law for cervical checks to be mandatory. And I, I don't think that it should be mandatory because guess what? There was... <laughs> 
there was a senator's wife years ago. I, I, you could look it up who was sexually assaulted by her OB because he claimed that he was doing cervical exams and he was just trying, he was getting off on it. He was getting off on pleasuring her and she was very uncomfortable during it. (laughs) And he would do it without gloves. So tell me again why you think that cervical exams are mandatory. Like they're not. Someone's for, like if someone has to force your legs open or force themselves inside of you, that's rape. Don't care what you say. (laughs) I just, I think it should be like a, it, it should be between you and that's it. Like if you, it, it should be between whether or not you want to do it. <laughs> Anyways, past that. So all we see this episode, this season or this, yeah, this episode is that they are in the car and they're getting transported or he told her, we're just going to go home. And she's like, no, I'm going to the hospital. And if you're not going to take me, I'm going to get someone else to take me. And that's the first time that you see her actually take charge because she now knows it's a dangerous situation because I'm sure the midwives explained to them why it's necessary for them to go because they explained it to the, to the cameras, but I'm sure they also explained it to that, to her especially. So she's going to go to the, he's driving her to the hospital and in the coming attractions, you see him being whisked away by security and them telling him that he needs to get out of there. That is the only reason why I think hospital births are necessary in situations like this. Like I think she should have always had a hospital birth. And I think that's why he didn't like going to the hospital or want her to have a hospital birth. They wanted her to have a home birth, not because, um, he wanted like the most natural thing or like he, uh, he believed in everything that the midwives do, or he believed that any of that, I think it was because he could control the situation a lot better. He could control, um, everyone in the environment that he was in a lot better. Whereas at the hospital, like you're under their kind of rules. And if you're becoming too irate or, um, you're putting the, you're putting the lives of the baby and birth person in danger because you want to maintain control. Then they have to step in and they remove you from the situation. And in in that case, they also, I mean, it also comes down to, they want to protect a child, the baby and birth person while also under the same umbrella, protecting themselves from any malpractice. So in that sense, I'm saying that it's important to recognize that when it is time to kind of transport, that's what it would look like. You know, I don't even know if that, like, obviously if dangerous situations arise, you transport them. But I'm saying like, it's, in, it, that's when the hospitals, I think they do their due diligence in, in separating those situations. But other times I feel like bystanders and this, everyone, everyone in this situation was a bystander, us watching it, like me watching it on TLC, like I'm a bystander. Like we see that this is a dangerous situation that it's becoming now dangerous because he's willing to put his own child and the mother of his child at risk because he doesn't care about either of them. He just wants to be in control. He wants to be the one that um, makes the calls. He, if he could, I'm sure that he would have, um, he would have told them not to like the whole purpose of him going to the birth center was because he could also cut, like he could also deliver his baby and he wanted to have a home birth because he could, again, like I said, control it. So everything that he is preaching that he was raised with, that he was had the better understanding of is that he has the most control and that he should have the most control. And that's, I think that's where we go into, um, 
domestic violence situations. So he's not necessarily at this point like beating her. We don't know per se, but he is emotionally breaking her down and he is physically, he is um, mentally breaking her down to the point where she has no thoughts for herself now. And she is now, and I'm sure she's also financially controlled by him. Like everything that he does or he says goes because he's the one in control of the money. He's, he's the only source of income for her and that she's the, that he he's the only one that in her mind will ever love him because he has made it seem like that. And now we're watching this unfold and it's almost like I want her to stay on TV. And this is so sad for me to say, because I need, we need to make sure that she's okay. Like, I don't think he would physically assault her not on cam- like off camera. And if she were to stop being on TV, because being on TV is the only thing that's keeping him from doing that. Cause everyone can see it because it's, I mean, everyone sees his, his mental and phys- and uh, emotional abuse, but <laughs> he could deny it. He could say it's bad editing. He could say that um, it just looks that way because X, Y, and Z, where we know it looks that way because it ended in the way where the hospital even themselves knew that it's time to separate the two, you know? Anyway, so... <sighs> that I wanted to talk mainly about the midwif- midwives... Um, the way that they handled themselves and the way that they talked about cervical checks and the way that people have uh, the understanding of cervical checks because it really did upset me and it was something that caused such a anger, angry reaction out of me that I couldn't contain myself. Like I understand everyone um, can see that differently, but in my mind, I know that that's something that you need to have consent for. You need to be able to say yes or no. I don't want that. I do want that. Yes. I feel better knowing where I am. No, I don't. Because someone forcing their hand inside of you to check where your baby is, is totally different than if you were to have this, um, open communication with your provider and say like, Hey, yeah, like I need to know where I am to better progress labor or, I think it might be best so that I can tell, like if you're having a home birth, I could tell whether or not it's time to um, get transported because I've been stuck at this uh, station for too long. But most of the time, midwives or professionals in general should be able to tell where you are based on um, your, like just everything in general. Like, because some people progress a lot faster and some people don't, you know, um, some people can birth their babies at um, at eight centimeters. Others don't. Like they could start pushing, or they could they could feel the urge to push at six and open their cervix up to eight. Then you know, it just it really depends on the per. You know, like everyone's different. Like I've said multiple times. But anyways, so that's after I did all that, I let all that energy out. I feel extremely exhausted now. I'm going to fiddle with my um, new <laughs> sewing machine that I got at Aldi, by the way. It's called Easy Home. It's an Easy Home one. I hope it works. I, it looks like it's going to work nicely. It's a really nice one. I was, it was between this one or the Singer from Joanne Fabrics and the one at Joanne's was like 150 bucks and this one was 40. So, uh, I saved a lot of cash on it. So I hope it's actually going to work and it's actually going to be nice. And I feel like it's going to be, it's really nice right now. Um, so yeah, (laughs) I'm going to do that before I have to go to work. I just went on this giant rant about this. So I feel so much better. I hope you guys all love this one. I will come up with a better intro. (laughs) 
<laughs> but as always, I love you guys. And if you aren't already, please follow me at uh, stephanie.isabel on Instagram. I believe it's the same on TikTok. Um, yeah. And you guys, if you want to f- have a free consultation, please call or email me at doula.stephanie.wezar, H-U-I-Z-A-R at gmail.com. And I will, I will be doing free consultations this month. Yeah. Just set that up for me. And I, I'm accepting new clients now. So if you are in the, are in any interest in, uh, having a baby anytime soon. I'm more than welcome to be there. If you have any interest in learning or having a support person um, during any kind of uh, gynecological visits, because you just want to feel uh, safe and heard and you've had bad experiences, I'm more than welcome. You know, I'm more than happy to be there with you. If you just want to kind of talk about uh, previous experiences with your births or labor, I'm also happy to talk to you about that. So yeah, I am excited to get to know you guys more. And I'm excited for this month because I do have some special guests that want to share some awesome new exciting things with them. And I have some awesome new exciting things that are happening this month that I want to share with you. So yeah, love you guys. And I am back. And I'm going to keep it back. I'm going to not get COVID again, knock on wood. And I am going to keep on track. (laughs) Yes. All right. Love you guys. Bye-bye.